0: Welcome to Get After It PDX, a down-to-earth podcast featuring honest conversations with inspiring people in the creative hotbed of Portland, Oregon. Recorded live and on location in Portland, let's welcome the co-founder of Y-East Wolfpack and the host of Get After It PDX, Willie McBride.
1: Hey folks, a quick note before we get started. The Get After It PDX podcast is brought to you by the support of our friends at the Aimsure Distilling Company, a new distillery focused on bringing people together through great flavors and a warm environment. They love the way spirits taste, but more importantly, they love what they do. Spirits bring people together to make memories, build bridges, and crystallize the moment opening up in early 2020 in northeast Portland here we are with Michael Christie welcome Thank you, you are the operations manager at modern times the
0: Belmont Infermentorium. that is correct yeah so in specific uh, um yeah so we always have like fun uh job titles too so like technically I'm operations overlord uh, of portland um, <laughs> but uh you know that, that title can either go one or two ways it's people see the playfulness of it and then or, they or, think it's the, weird or something. It's, yeah, but like my my old job title was lore master because like lore I, lore yeah so yeah. like a lot of weird uh, like either Magic the Gathering or Dungeons and Dragons like references throughout everything that we do so nice yeah you reference many
1: things which we'll touch on but real quick we are sipping on some beers yes some we are
0: delicious modern times beer do you want to tell tell the listeners what we're drinking just yeah. For the, Thought of it. So, I'm drinking um, our Nitro Black House. Uh, it's our coffee oatmeal stout. Uh, this specific version actually has uh, coconut and cocoa nibs in it, and it actually is pretty special because it's a Nitro version of the beer. Uh, the beer, like just Black House, comes out uh, in a normal like CO2 can. Uh, but this one um, is pretty special, so it's going to get that kind of creaminess smooth that you would uh, associate with like a Guinness or something like that. Um, But we're able to do that because we also are uh, a coffee roaster down in San Diego in our uh, other facility. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a full production coffee uh, suite, I guess. (laughs) Um, And because of that, in packaging like cold brew, you can't package cold brew with like CO2 because it's it's a food product, it'll spoil with CO2. So you have to have like a full nitrogen environment. We had to implement that into our systems Well, it kind of worked out that we were able to do it with beer, too, then, um, which makes it a pretty unique can, because a lot of times when you have, like, nitro cans out there, there's, like, a little widget at the bottom, which is basically a little, uh, like, nitrogen canister that pops when you open the can and then nitrogenates the beer. We don't have to put any of that kind of stuff in here. It's already, like, it's dosed with the nitrogen as it goes into the can which uh, the widgets kind of explode on shelves sometimes, which uh, we don't Sounds have that dangerous. issue, so that was pretty nice. Lots of rigorous uh, you know, testing went into that. But, uh, Sweet. Well, you know, thank you for sharing these great beers with us. Yeah, and then you are yeah. drinking uh, Polyrhythmo, which is a Hoppy Pilsner um, that we brewed up here in Portland. So, uh, yeah, it's part of our kind of special release program. We do two special cans out of Portland um, every month okay. uh, and do like an online sale with them and then... Uh, Whatever isn't sold out online, we have available, like, usually the second Friday of every month. We have, like, uh, brand new cans and all that kind of stuff uh, of every month uh, ready. And it
1: has this sort of... textbook now for you guys amazing wild
0: unique branding which (laughs) we're going to talk more about later for sure uh yeah so our branding on that so when it comes to anything that goes to distro you'll have the Mm kind of like normal modern times uh kind of layout and all that uh but when it is something that we're just releasing kind of internally within our own tasting rooms uh we have a huge emphasis on the art and visual aspects of what we do uh so we have uh multiple artists on staff full time, um, from people who do screen printing to uh, just like graphic designers uh, and so it's a pretty awesome project and I'm like blown away every month when I see what they come up with. Uh, so I mean they've come up with, I've seen like hundreds of designs or cans and I, I know we haven't even touched that yet, uh, that pool. So. Uh, but it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and it's uh, a lot of different influences. Each one, I can at this point almost guess which designer did what. Uh, <laughs> just because they have their own kind of styles and stuff like that. And it's it's really cool. I've worked for a couple different breweries uh, throughout my time um, in the beer industry. And one of my favorite aspects of modern times is our emphasis on, like, the art and that whole culture within that as well. Awesome. I, I definitely think that's... Uh
1: clearly some of the reasons that you, are, you guys are flourishing as a, as a brand and a brewery and all that you do. Hopefully the, you know, the good beer helps too. <laughs> oh, no question, but it, it definitely sets you apart and something that has attracted me to you guys over, over time here in Portland. Thank you. Uh, so we're going to talk a lot more about what's going on currently with Modern Times sure. and a lot more about the branding as well because mm-hmm. that's a pretty cool aspect like we're, we're saying. But all our guests, we love to go back to back in the day. Talk about your sort of your own personal creation story, where you were born and raised, and what led you to,
0: to be doing all the stuff you are now. All right. So where did it start? My uh, crazy journey. Um, so I was born and raised in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. I lived yeah. there until I say raised, but I was left when I was eleven. So there's like the, some formative years there. <laughs> there's some raising. Um, but uh, so then I moved uh, with my mom um, out to San Diego, California, Damn. and. Uh, was in San Diego um, through high school. Uh, ended up going to like an art school um, in San Diego. So oh, high school? Yeah, oh. so it was a public school, but it was something that you kind of had to like opt to go to. Mm-hmm. And the school day, instead of like ending at like 3.30 or whatever school days and nowadays, I have no idea. Yeah. But uh, we would go to school until like 5.30. So you would have like your normal day, and then from like 3.00 to 5.30 would be like your emphasis on what art you had chosen. Oh, um, and so I was a part of like the video film program um, and kind of started that and entered a lot of different festivals, really fell in love with film and all that stuff. Uh, initially was going to go to school for uh, film, but then, uh, you know, as kids are cocky and have no idea how the world works, I was like, I've already done all these film one oh one things one uh, things. So I was like, I'm going to learn something I don't know, which ended up being like, A good move, I think, uh, for me. Uh, So I ended up going to uh, UCSC, so University of California, Santa Cruz. Uh, So go banana (laughs) slugs—the weirdest mascot of any uh, college. uh... Yes, Uh, I love the fact that even there, there's they have like the statues of the fighting seals, uh, which are like the original mascots, but then Mm -hmm. they got changed uh, very quickly to the banana slugs, and uh, I feel like that embodies it a little bit uh, better. Uh, so it's in, uh, Santa Cruz, I had a weird college experience and I definitely would have like gone back and done it differently had I like known how the world worked. A little bit better. Many, many people would say that. I I, I was the total like, I want to have this, uh, you know, wild college experience. I want to like see things I've never seen before. And, you know, there's, there's a threshold, you know, (laughs) there's certain things you don't need to see. And so I I kind of was like uh, somewhat miserable. So I ended up uh, graduating in three years and I got a double major in uh, ancient European history um, with an emphasis in first and second century Roman occupation of like Palestine, Israel. Uh, and then, uh, my second degree is international relations with an emphasis in security and defense policies. Um, oh, right. but like I, within that time was also working full time, uh, at Apple, uh, computers. So, okay. uh, I was commuting like up into, uh, Los Gatos, mm-hmm. um, which is like right over the Santa Cruz mountains. Um. So really keeping myself so while busy you were so studying I as well yeah, so w- your yeah, so I was not enjoying college really, so I just like filled up my time as much as I possibly could with uh, as many things as I could, including working yeah about. so uh, it was pretty wild, and then like within that I was every weekend going up to San Francisco and going to concerts and wow. all over the place. Full life, full yeah life. um and then uh so once i graduated uh college i moved back down to san diego and i started working as a uh naval contractor so as a civilian um doing cybersecurity an- analysis and research so wow. nothing to do with yeah, as yet. <laughs> <saying it's> <laughs> where, where yeah, did that where, come from the hops uh, in this. <laughs> um and so i was doing that for uh like the length of the contract that i was working on um and it was actually, like, right around the government shutdown, like, the last one, not yeah, the, just, the long one. Um, yeah. And I was really just kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do because I wasn't really happy in that job. I, I'm, like, a, uh, you know, introvert that is a social, you know, person. So I, I, I love talking to people. I love having interactions. I, I I see that as, like, the purpose in life, right, is making interactions with people and creating relationships and so I was I got furloughed because and my contract was like it kind of was perfect timing because my contract like ended right as the government shut down but then there was no contracts for me to re-up on so I had to Mm -hmm. just kind of wait around uh and in that time I was uh throughout working for as a naval contractor I was homebrewing um my uh neighbor who uh his name is uh John Hughes um and he kind of has his own, like, little homebrew brewery that he opens up uh, called Tiny Bob, uh, just, like, down the street from my, my parents' house. So okay. every Friday we would go down there, and then as I started getting more and more uh, interested in it, and so he started showing me processes, get, letting, letting me, like, be a little bit part of it each and at each step, and then I started brewing, like, we would kind of trade off. I mm-hmm. would brew a beer, he would brew a beer. Yes. Um, and uh, it was pretty cool. I mean, we really... Uh, collaborated a lot and he really kind of started that foundation of quality and cleanliness and like the foundations that like in beer are really essential mm-hmm. uh and i just remember sitting there and i was like kind of depressed and sad that i didn't have a job and i didn't really know if i really wanted that job anymore yeah, yeah. uh and i was just like, sitting in the back of his garage one day and i was just watching the people in the garage because you just open up the garage and people from the neighborhood would come by. So this, this by. pop up. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. just a home brewer and, uh, yeah. and you just, what are you going to do with the beer you, you know, yeah. make? So, uh, opens up the garage and allows people to come by. Uh, and we have like the karma jar so that we can pay for new ingredients and stuff yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah. So and is that op- karma jar meaning tips? Optional. Yeah. Optional. Just if yeah. you want to donate to the cause, I guess. Um, so. and we, you know, obviously followed all the, volume restrictions that homebrewers have and all that stuff. So no lines are crossed there. <laughs> good, good. Um, uh, but uh, I just remember sitting in the back of that uh, that garage and just seeing people interact with each other that I knew didn't interact with each other before that space existed. I saw people that I knew walked past each other, with, you know, walking their dogs, mm-hmm. kind of like tip the hat, wave the hand kind of thing. Uh, but really didn't have relationships, and the community wasn't there. It wasn't a neighborhood before. And I saw how this space and beer, and, because it started with the conversation, hey, what are you drinking? Yeah. And then that develops into such a larger conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're literally doing that right now. What is the first yeah. thing we say? What are we drinking? Yeah, right, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And it hap- that social interaction happens so often, but it's so important. Right. Like that's how many times have people said, like, they met their best friends accidentally s- sitting at a bar. My one of my best friends I met at a trivia night at a bar, like, you know, like all, all these things. And uh, I just had this like that's I want to what I want to do in the world is foster that whatever I can do to make community neighborhood people come together. Because ultimately we need that if we're all isolated, like isolated on our own. We're not going to accomplish anything. We're not going to get better. It's just all going to continue to fall into chaos. Mm-hmm. And so that was like the... It was kind of funny. Like two two weeks after I had that like aha moment, I got a, a huge contract from my old job being like... And it was like secured for seven to nine years oh, wow. and like huge salary. And it took me 20 minutes to turn it down. Um, because I was just like, I know what I want to do. Um, so that's like a pretty... just
1: dis- Obviously yeah. major switch right so like this just fl- you know it just and flipped it, on like the light bulb just suddenly you decided because before this consulting you were doing was had no, essentially nothing to do with bringing people together right or
0: communities and and it really was like the aha moment of this is what I've been searching for um and did you have any so besides witnessing this in the little beer pop-up. I mean, I, that, that that's like a whole like couple, six months of me being yeah. a part of this thing and seeing it. So it like wasn't before it like, before a- <laughs> that in
1: your previous life mm-hmm. up until that point, had you, were the, were you part of communities where you saw the power of, of connection or were there,
0: were there that's examples really good that sort of <laughs> tipped you onto think,
1: that? Do you think?
0: I, I've never really thought about it. Like, that perspective but I like think film that, yeah sorry, but example, no but maybe, I, like, I think that's really what it comes down to film there's um film brings people together my high school people was people very unique them. in the sense that we I was a second like graduating class and so we were a tight community as a mm-hmm. school and I think that I had always been like the kid who had my like friend groups but I could pop between every single one and yeah. it was just like I had those like I was happy with people it's, the you know, it's, it's just be you know there was never like oh this group over here you know and I don't associate with them it's like no they're human beings why not interact with them I've always been that way it's just like it's a human being yeah, yeah. why What? unless I can see them actively doing something to hurt other people
1: yeah
0: I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and try to have a you know yeah. cordial nice conversation and start see where it goes yeah um, and so I think that that really kind of is the foundation of it and I also think that uh, both my uh, biological parents being teachers and me being surrounded by that yeah. uh, my whole life, that was a community you know, that yeah. I saw. Uh, and I saw you know, my mom would go out to dinner and three of her students would be at the restaurant mm-hmm. and they would come up and talk. And I, so I'd always been surrounded by the greater connection between what you do and the people you interact with. Yeah. Um, and so I think I was always seeking that and mm-hmm. I didn't know it. Um, until I one day just sat there and I remember like, I, I like walked over to, uh, uh, my stepdad, uh, and like my stepdad has been hugely formative in my life and, uh, a huge part of also why I'm in beer. He gave me my first craft beer, um, and has like really like gone to beer festivals with me and really helped me when I was like forming of what I wanted within beer, what that would look like. Um, so shout out to Eric <laughs> there. Nice, nice. Um but uh so yeah, I I forget where I was going with that. But uh yes,
1: well, so you got into beer, you had the light bulb moment, yeah, you decided so, this was something you wanted to pursue.
0: And so luckily I didn't have a job. You at turned the time. down the big contract. I t- I t- I turned down the the big contract and I walked into Pizza Port Um, which is, like, a local um, brewery down in San Diego. They've got, like, five different locations. Uh, They did when I worked there. Um, And uh, basically... Say say the name again. Pizza Pizza Port. Pizza Pizza Port. Port? Yeah, so, like, Hmm. uh, remember in Toy Story where the Pizza Port was, like, one of the Uh restaurants? This existed before Toy Story, but, uh, yeah. (laughs) Um, It started off as a pizza place, and then uh, they opened up a brewery within it. Um, I gotcha, I gotcha. And... uh, down in Southern, Southern California. I mean, they're everywhere. I love Pizza Port. Okay. Um, and so they started off just having, like, five different locations, everybody brewing their own beer, mm-hmm. uh, and it was just, like, you're serving it in your Pizza Port. Oh, cool. uh, and then uh, some kegs would kind of switch between them, but it was, like, mm-hmm. just kind of contained within that environment. Uh, and then as I was starting there, because I ended up getting a job there, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> spoilers, um, <laughs> then... Uh, they started doing cans and started distributing a lot from a larger facility. Oh, cool. Um, but so yeah, I walked in, um, and I was like, I want to work here because when I was a kid, that's where my stepdad used to take me. And I knew that he had always enjoyed the beer. And, uh, you know, as I had just kind of starting, cause I was like 22 at this point, like well, I'm pretty young into like being able to drink. When you had this, this whole, this revelation. yeah. So I, like I graduated college when I was, uh, so I had a couple years, you know, I never drank in college, like I didn't have, I couldn't go to bars in college yeah. or anything like that. So I wonder what that would have changed and everything. But, uh, yeah, I, I, walked in and they were like, well, uh, we don't really have any like brewer positions. And I was like, I understand. Like, uh, I just want to get my foot in the door and see where it takes me. And they're like, so I accepted a position. I remember the sitting in the interview, the guy's like, how much money did you used to make? And I was like, I, I told him and I was like, he's like, you know, this is like, minimum wage. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm fully aware. And he's like, are you going to be okay with that? I like, yeah, I, I'm I'm prepared to do this. This is I, I made this decision. I know what I'm, yeah. I'm getting into. Um, and he's like, okay, cool. Uh, be here at like 9 a.m. tomorrow and we'll train you to start making pizzas and stuff. So I showed up a little early knowing that the brewer came in early. And mm-hmm. I immediately walked up to her uh, and was like, Devin, uh, I want to brew beer. Like, I don't really want to make pizzas, but I'm here to like do whatever I have to to... You know brew beer uh and essentially her answer but was so you like, hadn't told that to the <laughs> he knew that i was like eventually going to try to pursue something within that realm oh, okay, um but okay. he was like you know it was the gm and he was like there's no positions here so to so start making the pizza Yes, yeah. okay. um and uh she was like cool uh are you working tomorrow and i was like nope and she's like be here at 6 a.m uh and it's then okay. i uh milled in uh and so that was like the first professional beer uh, I ever got to be a part of Wait, and s- milled in so uh, basically well it wasn't there was pre-milled grain but basically I was uh, taking the grain because we didn't have grain storage at the pizza port location it was like literally the size of like the facility that we're in right now Okay. Uh, so it was really small it was like the brewery was recessed into the ground huh. uh, and uh, it was like a 35 year old check system um, that was completely warped and uh, but it so many brewer, like famous brewers have come from that brew system. So you have like Tommy Arthur who owns uh Lost Abbey and Port, who has GABF medals, you know, all over the place. You've got like Jeff Bagby who owns Bagby beer, but like basically made Pizza Port what it is now uh in Southern California. And I mean just countless people. You can go down the line of people that have been a part of that system and then done their own thing and graduated from it and mm-hmm. it's kind of cool uh, that it exists in that way yeah. uh, but it was it was hard hard work and right. basically I I started helping out whenever it was like too laborious for someone a single person to do yeah. uh, there was an official uh, assistant brewer but we kind of like traded off okay. um, meanwhile still making pizzas and uh, you know just trying to exert as much like hey I want to be over here as I possibly yeah. could uh, you know giving out beer recommendations, even though there were bartenders (laughs) and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and just really trying to like immerse myself into that world while continuing to still do the home brewing, uh, with my neighbor as well. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the guys that, uh, was there, uh, that was like one of the frequent guys that would come by the, uh, the home brewery in the garage. Uh, his name was Matt and he worked for Stone Brewing. Um, and so he and I got to talking, I didn't know that for Mm -hmm. Probably two months of knowing him, yeah. uh, and then one day he's like, "Hey, uh, like, what are you, what are you doing?" And I was like, "Well, I'm just like working at Pizza Port and uh, just trying to figure it out. You know, I'm applying to a lot of different uh, breweries just to try to get like actual, actually into the brewery." Um, and he was like, "Well, I know it's not a production position, but uh, we have like a sales events um, position opening up at Stone." Uh, you should apply, I'll like give your resume to the person uh, who's hiring. So basically then he kind of lined it up. I met Lindsay Sylvester. Um, Lindsay kind of took me under her wing for uh, two years and uh, grew me from just like doing... At Stone. At Stone. So I took the position on Stone, kind of worked part-time at Pizza Port and Stone for three, four months uh, until I had to kind of like give up my uh, shifts at Pizza Port. Um, And it kind of worked out like Devin, who was the brewer there, ended up uh, opening up her own um, brewery up in L.A. Uh, The assistant brewer, uh, that Matt, who I worked with, uh, went to um, the OB location to be the head brewer over there. So we all kind of like split up at the same time. So it kind of worked out nicely. Then Mm -hmm. they had somebody else come in and start the whole program over again. Um, So I was doing it. At Stone, doing the sales event stuff. Uh, And it was interesting because, like, I was so production-focused and being in the brew house and the intricacies of that, the science behind all that stuff, uh, that then when I got thrown in front of people, I definitely had to, like, learn how to communicate beer in an entirely different way. Uh, And because I was just throwing so much science at people and so many, like, and you just all, Mm -hmm. you know, the the eyes glaze over and uh, what the hell is he talking about? (laughs) Um, So it was, like, an interesting kind of thing because... Like I said, I, I like to talk to people, so I was already having that. I was excited to do that, but I had to, like, temper how that conversation mm-hmm. happened. So they were like, we want you to do these sales things because you know the science, you can you know the process, you can explain beer, mm-hmm. but you can also talk to people. So that's kind of nice. So yes. that was kind of how I fell into, you know, more of the sales operation side of stuff. So at Stone, I was doing, doing the events... Uh, I think I ended up doing over 350 beer festivals in two years. So I was about to say, that's directly in line with this desire to bring people together and create community around this. Exactly. And so I absolutely loved it, um, but it was definitely, like, an entry-level position, and so I had to, like, figure something else out so I could, you know pay bills and things like that. Were you enjoying <laughs> putting together all those events and festivals? Yeah, absolutely. was um, pretty amazing. It was. And I've met so many, like, close friends from uh, doing that. And part of that is also why I work at Modern Times now, mm-hmm. um, is through connections that I made while, you know, fixing jockey boxes and, uh, you know, running around teaching people how to actually pour beer. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't know how many times I, like, because Stone was also the distributor for like so many other brands that Mm -hmm. at a beer festival, we were responsible for like the well-being of all those other brands. So you got to, it was not only that I get to like learn how to do kind of the sales talk and how to work in that world Mm -hmm. uh, when it came to beer, but I also was just making so many connections uh, with people. Uh, And like my girlfriend always makes fun of me. She's like, nobody ever knows that you're networking with them, but you are. And I was like, <laughs> I don't even realize that I'm doing that, but it's just, I want to networking. talk to people. I want to yeah. know what they're, d- I don't want to be like, oh, the weather is really great or it's really sucks. Like, that's a terrible conversation. I don't know anything about a person because of that. And that's what I want to know. I want to know about people. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I started also kind of, when I was working at Apple, I did all the different Jobs. I was a genius. I was a salesperson. I did taught classes. So you were on the floor doing all that stuff. That so. and then uh, when I started writing all of my like theses in college, I uh, went to the back house. So I was doing more like logistics okay. and uh, inventory and all that stuff. So that carried over at Stone when I was like, okay, I need more hours. I need to be involved in more uh, that. They basically gave me the POS stuff. So tap handles, glassware all the things that are not finished goods, mm-hmm. uh, beer related for all of our suppliers. And they're like, this program is messed up. You helped out doing this stuff at Apple, like pickup programs. And so I like, it was nice when I worked for Apple, I was close to Cupertino, so I could kind of help out with other things or beta test stuff for them. Yeah, and well. so, um, they're like, you have this experience. We need help fix this part. So basically we had a warehouse in LA and San Diego and I had to rebuild the POS program. How people ordered it, how people picked it up. Uh, And so Lindsay and I both did that together and uh, that was a pretty awesome experience. But it also like then kind of taught me more on the operations side of stuff, how to interact with stuff, how to procure, how to like get things from A to B Um, because it's a lot more complicated than just throwing it on a truck and hopefully it gets there. (laughs) Um, So I was doing that for about a year um, when a position opened up at Modern Times and I had been applying for, at Modern Times for a very long time like any time right. I've, I've seen a position it like, kind of how it works in beer really like most people if you talk about like who are in a company and they're like they love what they do and they're really like if drank the Kool-Aid kind of thing yep. um, most of the stories are I applied 11, 12 times before yep. I got in yep. And that's totally true. I mean, it was the same thing where, like, I, I don't know how many resumes I threw out there, but just beer was a, in such a boom at the time that it just, like, everyone so wanted to So let's put a it. year on this exactly. Like, when, what were your stone years, and when oh. did this,
1: because Modern Times for, started brewing in 2013, was it? Yeah. Um, so
0: it was about, I think it's was 2014 okay. we're talking right now.
1: Um, where you had started already trying to get on with Modern Times, yeah. Still so stoned, I, yeah. You know, so I remember stuff.
0: like the day where uh, one of my bosses was like, "Hey, uh, Modern Times, we're like bringing them on. Go down there and check so it as out." As a distribute, yeah. Just as like go in and you know t- taste the beer. Just be incognito, kind of. And that was the best part of my job, right? At that time, was like my boss was because I he knew I knew process and I had been yeah. tasting beer and with my old job. Uh, that I... He trusted my palate, so I remember... And it was funny, because, like, we always joke about it. We had, like, one beer on tap when I went. uh, Because the beer had been moving so fast that they couldn't keep it uh, in-house, and we just couldn't make enough. So there's, like, literally one beer on tap, and it's a beer that doesn't even exist anymore. Um, But, uh, so, yeah, I think 2014, 2015, roughly about, like, that was my stone years right there. Um, And then, so, in... 2016 yeah um i ended up moving over to uh modern times and it's real quick stone was
1: like the one of the old guard Mm -hmm. so to speak like a really established yep
0: um and i remember people telling me when i left stone they were like well you're gonna leave stone for like a sure thing for something that's building itself and i was like yeah so what what was your
1: (laughs) perception like you said you had this desire to get on yeah it was modern times
0: so there was an attraction there what um what was attractive about it i first off i was infatuated with the fact that the the original stance on everything was like modern times didn't have like an ipa for years really uh in a market that was so incredibly ipa heavy and i i appreciated that being like this is how we step away from everyone else yeah um that's cool <laughs> also, like I mean, the visual aspect, I mean, there's no question that the visuals so the it's always been oh, yeah, I mean, the tasting room in San Diego, our original tasting room uh was all done by the employees I mean okay. uh this weird story we always tell is like uh the brewing permit didn't come in on the day that we thought it was gonna come in, mm-hmm. uh, so we had brewers on staff with but we couldn't brew, so what were we gonna do? We ended up having them sort books by size and color. And then basically stack them up, and we created the facade of the bar from those books. But it was because mm-hmm. like we That's didn't awesome. have it was all that, very much that DIY. Uh, yeah. You know, our current events manager, uh, his like first day at work was painting a wall. Like mm-hmm. it, everybody's kind of had to step up, and and the visual aspects have been so important from the very beginning, and it was very apparent. And the branding was just like a white can sitting on a shelf back then with like big bold letters and it told you what it was it gave you three descriptors that was like unheard of a can in San Diego was unheard of these uh, big yeah and it was just modern times and then it like had a unique name and uh, like I said there were styles that I wasn't getting anywhere else there were hybridized styles and I was just like really infatuated with the taking the chance on something different the way it was presented mm-hmm. and I also just loved all the people that worked there because I had been interacting just... with them through the festivals and going there. And just as being a part of the distributor, I had to work with them all the time. Um, and uh, I, there was like the kind of like serendipitous, like fate calling moment where I was like, okay, I know I'm going to eventually work at modern times when uh, <laughs> uh, one of the guys that sat next to me at stone uh, left to go be the procurement manager at Modern Uh, Times and the day he left he like left a Modern Times t-shirt on my desk and I was like ah there it is there we go yeah (laughs) so then uh, yeah I started uh, working there as a sales analyst basically Mm -hmm. Um, that was where my lore master title came from Uh, Uh, and then a uh, year later they were like want to move to Portland and here we are now a year after starting with them yep
1: so what was the what was the offer for Portland? I
0: mean, just out of the blue, they said do you want to move? Or? So when I first started, I was like I want to be I realized that I really enjoyed if I myself was not the person facilitating that day-to-day like interaction with people, I really enjoyed the logistics and the puzzle to make it happen. Okay? Um and so I had expressed my interests from the very beginning, like uh, if and when we open up another production facility, I would like to go and help start that, whatever that is. As I got more and more involved in different operations things, I was like, I want to be the operations manager, and I just made it very vocal, and I was, this is what I want to do. Um, So you're ready to travel. Yeah. I, my whole life, I've loved traveling. I grew up doing cross-country road trips with my parents. Nice. Uh, in high school, I was really lucky to, like, forfeit uh, any presents plus, like, any money that I made from, like, side jobs or doing film work mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, my sophomore year of high school, I traveled to Czech Republic, Austria, and Italy wow. um, over spring break. My junior year of high school, I did Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, um, the, the first two weeks of summer. And then in my senior year, I spent two weeks in Egypt. Dang. Wait, sorry. So you said you, all presents and things, you
1: you I just was put like, it off like, I would onto, rather travel. Yeah. You're like, don't give me this stuff, put yeah. it into the travel fund. Yep.
0: Very <laughs> um, right, cool. And so then that led into your international relations yep, studies. Yep, exactly. And, and I just yeah. got fascinated with, again, people's interactions, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, international relations, it's how countries are interacting and why they are interacting in different ways um and you know i i was thinking about this the other day that i did so much traveling as as a kid and then i got so focused in on trying to hit a goal or hit that i kind of have since that like done little trips but i haven't done any big like grandiose uh, international travel since then and it's something that kind of weighs on me and something definitely I like want to do and it's like yep. itching to do again nice. um, but uh, you know I kind of sacrificed that love of travel a little bit which no one should ever do <laughs> uh, just to like make sure I got to where I needed to get and where I had it in my head where I wanted to be yep. so so what, when you got this offer, mm-hmm. what was your
1: perception of Portland? Had you, had you ever been here before?
0: I had been here one time, uh, with my girlfriend. Uh, we had just come up for like five or six days and, uh, absolutely just like fell in love with the city. We stayed over uh, on the East side, uh, with Airbnb in someone's basement and we just walked everywhere. Nice. Um, and it was just like you walk the first time you walk into Portland or you fly into Portland you walk out the you know doors of the airport the air is just so crisp and clean and that was like i remember that being my first just like oh my gosh i can actually breathe right cuz like in san diego there yeah. it's it's it can be humid it can get pretty hot it can get kind of sticky there's a lot of congestion there's a lot of you know it's beautiful the environment is awesome down there um but i'm i've definitely always been more of a tree mountain kind of guy (laughs) and so i remember just being like i felt like kind of freer uh and uh so that was like our first interaction up here we did a lot of just the touristy stuff um you know as many different donut places as we could go to spend a a whole day in pals um and uh, no idea we were going to move here so how long
1: before like what year was that how long before
0: um that was so i had i got the job offer in june uh that was march oh so wow. it was like oh, yeah no way. So pretty serendipitous was, right and then um it did was you funny You know they had plans to nope move up this way nope oh wow. so uh cool. yeah it was kind of like a oh okay so i'm glad i just did that trip because now i know what i'm talking but it was funny but they offered me oh, the job gosh. and i was like yes I should probably talk to my girlfriend and like my family before (laughs) I say yes. So like give me a week to go have some conversations first. But I like immediately jumped on it because I knew I loved the place. Mm -hmm. Um, I had been to the commons when I was up here. So that is the facility that we're in now. Mm -hmm. Um, And like everything about it just kind of fell into place in the right way. Um, And it was nice that then after uh, they'd offered the job, they were like, Why don't you and Kels go up, uh, my girlfriend, um, go up to Portland again for, you know, a couple days and we'll put you up in a hotel, explore, have fun, just make sure it's the city that you want to live in. Um, And that trip definitely uh, solidified it, Uh, you know, and then we took a trip out to the coast uh, and like out to Cannon Beach because that was like the one thing, you know, I was like the ocean's not right there. And we were so used to that. And so I grew like, going up in Cincinnati, I lived, you know, landlocked town, right? Uh, there was a river, but you couldn't go anywhere near it because there was tires and dead bodies and things like that. Um, she, she had always grown up in San Diego. So she had lived next to the ocean her entire life. And so that was, like, the big... I was 100%, and I just wanted to make sure that she was 100%. Um, and... Uh, now we live up here. <laughs> Sweet. Um, so it was a pretty wild uh, transition. So we uh, opened up the brewery last year in January. We received the keys January 2nd. We opened to the public January 26th. Uh, yeah, pretty nuts. Um, so a few of us, um, when we, we basically got here on the 2nd, really started working on the 3rd, rented a Airbnb for all of us to live in, like I lived in the attic of an Airbnb for the first two months of living in Portland, Um, because we was just, you know, it was a hundred hour work weeks. We were building, like, we were completely changing the, what the tasting room looked like. We were yeah. moving around tanks. We were getting the beer ready for uh opening up. There was just so much going on um that we would have our normal work day and then we would do art things cool. uh, for the latter half of the day or fun. Yeah. It was, it was super fun (laughs) college pulling all
1: nighters. It was,
0: it it was a really cool experience. And like, I got a lot closer to like some of the management people, um, in the company, some of the, like with the artists and stuff. Uh, and it was just a really unique and cool experience to witness that kind of creation. It's something that, you know, Everybody who works in beer has always had the dream of like opening up their own brewery, right? Like yeah. that's, that's if you ask anybody, especially people who are like newer to the industry, they're like, yeah. yes, I want to open up my own brewery. Um, then you start like realizing how much that costs and the amount of like yeah. insurance and the amount of paperwork and yeah. all those kind of things that fall into it, and like the, the you you lose sight of that creativity a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was beautiful that we got to have that experience. I got to have that experience without those like kind of bummer moments. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, we we were just guns blazing. Um, so we did that. I was up here. Uh, my girlfriend didn't move with me for the first uh, three months just Mm -hmm. because I knew it was going to be hundred hour work weeks and, uh, just going crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, and so in April, uh, she ended up moving up. Uh, I was hospitalized in the middle of moving up her moving up here uh, due to like food poisoning and getting super dehydrated. Like oh, it was geez. my, her first night in Portland was me like in a hospital bed. Uh, Oof. but we're all good now. We've got our, our house in Alberta and, uh, yeah. we <laughs> glad you, uh, all that craziness. That. And now, you know, we're, uh, we're settled. We're good. We're, uh, really enjoying our time.
1: Very cool. So one thing just to jump back to when you had this, you know, Uh, visit with your girlfriend that really sealed the deal of your love for Portland. I assume you were going to other breweries. Mm -hmm. Um, Any, what were sort of your favorite standouts from from the local set? Well,
0: I'll kind of lump in with now that I have a little bit more experience too. Um, So, I mean, I, we've always been very close with Great Notion um, as a brewery. Uh, We've done a lot of different collaborations with them and so, and they were amazing to us when we first moved up here and they continue to be. Um, (laughs) uh, and so I mean obviously and they're making things that are unlike what anybody else is making so I always will love them Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Culmination Um, you know uh, those guys over there are just doing phenomenal beers and we we actually got to do a really fun collaboration with them um, earlier in 2018 uh, and it was called like Freedom Lager and what we tried to brew is like uh, a high gravity beer so essentially (laughs) the same way that a, you know, macro brewery would brew a beer. So, mm-hmm. brew it at a higher percent, and then, like, uh, water it down, essentially. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's the same, you know, you're putting water in beer, no matter where you're yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, it was just a fun, cool experience to do, and we did, like, yes. 24 packs of mm-hmm. it, and uh, oh, cool. so, always love those guys. <laughs> um you know, I've been really impressed with, I know it's not a Portland uh, brewery, but with Freem. Um, you know, I... Nice. I've gone through so many different cycles in what I like to drink. Um, You know, I I started off with, uh, my first craft beer ever was Aragon Bastard. Um, Mm -hmm. Before that, I was a pretty religious uh, Guinness drinker. Mm -hmm. So I always liked big, bold flavors. Um, I was never like one for really watery beer or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Um, And then I uh, went to like as hoppy as I possibly could, like, triple IPAs, IBUs that your tongue can't, you know, fathom. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I realized, like, why am I doing that? I can't taste anything anymore. This experience isn't great. Um, So then I started going into sours because, again, I was searching out these just new flavors, new combinations of things that I'd never experienced before. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, uh, and it was, it's weird because, like, up until now in my beer drinking, like, I really had, like, this is what I drank, and I just kind of drank in sections. So then after our, I mean, I've always loved sours since I got into them. And then I started drinking coffee. So it was really, really late in my life that I started drinking coffee, um, which got me into, you know, darker beers and things like that. And then the cycle just, like, kind of comes back. And it's like... So I was never a lager fan. I was never into, you know, anything that was light-bodied or, you know, easy to drink, Um, and so I forced myself for a good, like, three, four months to only drink lager beer, Mm -hmm. because I wanted to understand it. I I had spent so much time understanding the flavor profiles of all these other different styles, that I was like, this is the one I'm missing, really. So I started doing that, and now I almost exclusively drink lager beer, Um, and uh, so with that segue, uh, Wayfinder. is one of my favorite breweries in Portland Um, they make such incredible beer Um, and Kevin has really taught us a lot as well um, on the lager side Uh, because we are doing a lot of lagers up here Uh, Matt our head brewer up here is a huge fan of lagers as well Um, and when uh, our CEO went on sabbatical he's just like just don't do a ton of lagers and we're like okay Uh, (laughs) and then we did Uh, and then they ended up selling really well and we're Mm -hmm. like so now we have a whole complete like lager program coming with this year and uh, like our big one is ice Um, and uh, that was a funny it's a funny naming uh, thing so much back and forth with the government because they're like it's not ice like I'm aware of the fact that it's not ice but it's a play on the name of all the other ice beer out there and like well it's not an ice beer and I was like again it's a kind of an homage to this it's a nicer version of all of that stuff (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah, it's, I'm really excited about that. And like with with your drinking, you know, the Polyrhythmo, which is yeah. kind of the evolution of that uh, program and as we're continuing to do it. And we're now doing weird things where uh, like a cold IPA, which isn't really a, a term that is even out there yep, yet. Yep. Um, but it's taking like an IPA recipe and treating it like a lager. And we've had some really awesome uh, uh, results that's from that. Great. We did uh, a collaboration with Humble Sea out of Santa Cruz yep. uh, that's actually out like right now. Um, and then we did, like, one with McKellar. Um, uh, and so they actually came over from uh, Europe and brewed it with us. We actually went out to the hop farm uh, during, like, fresh hop season, picked the hops, brought them back, brewed a cold IPA, and it came out really great. That one was uh, Ancient Page, was what we called it. So nice. all the weird names out there. I it's hard to keep them tra- uh, track of them sometimes, but I've got a good spreadsheet.
1: I feel like the spirit of collaboration, which you guys... Uh, Partake in often is something that's very Portland as well.
0: Yeah, I uh, to us collaboration has been really important from like the very beginning. And unfortunately, like the term collaboration in beer kind of tends to be used in weird ways. So like a lot of times it's like if you see a collaboration out there, it's four emails and then uh, you know a shift brewer is brewing the beer while a bunch of people are hanging out and you know eating food and getting drunk. <laughs> uh, and that's to me is not true collaboration yeah. uh like a perfect example of like what I, I idealize in that is uh when we did one with great notion um down in san diego right before it was like our launch beer that the really can that we're going to bring up okay. uh, up here as we're starting um and we knew kind of like the base malt recipe but we had no idea what hops we were going to use mm-hmm. and so we had uh, orderville um mm-hmm. before we had hopped Ordeville. Uh, which is like our hazy mosaic, uh, IPA, uh, that's around like all the time. Uh, we kind of took the base of that and then just a bunch of different glasses, crushed up hops, put it in there, aromatics, tasted it. And we came up with the hop profile right there in the middle while the, you know, it was boiling. Um, and so that, that's true collaboration, actually taking what they know and what we know and like, making it happen there and then together. Um, too. you know, with yeah. wayfinder, uh, we've, you know, we'll use their yeast and we've used ours and combine a blend of those things. And we're mm-hmm. actually taking resources and, and knowledge and actually using that to collab, not just like, let's throw our name on there. Cause the marketing is so important to us already mm-hmm. that we're not going to lie about it. Yep. We're not going to cheat the, the, the marketing game there in that. Um, but I think it is really interesting because, uh, the, with coffee, mm-hmm. um, we have this whole coffee program uh, and coffee hasn't really been a collaborative thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, coffee for us started with Black House. We were trying to make this beer all the time and mm-hmm. the coffee we were getting wasn't really consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're like, well, we've got to make it ourselves then. Um, so we had a little tiny roaster in the corner mm-hmm. and uh, Amy, who's now our director of art, would be there for 12 hours uh, for one batch of beer. Mm-hmm. Take 12 hours of mm-hmm. roasting coffee to for one batch of beer. Um, Now we have, like, the full production and all that kind of stuff. Um, But that was a weird thing for us is to see that the collaboration wasn't really, like, there in coffee. So we've been trying really hard to, uh, like, push that in the same way that we do beer. uh, You you roast stuff, (laughs) we'll roast stuff, blend those. Blends are finally becoming a thing in coffee. Before, it was just, like, single origins all over the place. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's something that we when we moved to portland we were really excited to do like as many collaborations as we possibly could it's also like a way of entering a market that when we are coming from california and we understand that like californians coming up into portland um hmm. and we had seen like others try in other markets to do something similar and they come in and just do like a giant beer festival right off the bat and just like everybody look at us hmm. uh and our approach to that was no, we're really excited to be here with you. Mm-hmm. Let's invite you in to play around. And so that was, we did a lot of collabs right off the bat because that was how we wanted to say hi to the city. It's like, you have all these amazing breweries, we want to learn from them. That's right. Um, and so, yeah, we got it to do through all of the, I'm trying to think of all the things we've done. Uh, we've done, like I said, Culmination, we've, uh, Wayfinder, uh, We've done Ecliptic, we've done Great Notion, we've done brews, uh and all these guys like multiple times uh, at this point, and I'm missing some, but it's, like I said, w- I think last year, well over like 150 different beers uh, between all of our facilities, um, well, and so it's very hard to keep track of all
1: yeah, of them. Um, so one thing I wanted to mention, just thinking of it, when you said that Orderville, one mm-hmm. of your sort of standby IPAs, is 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 all the time going, mm-hmm. I just had one in the Grand Canyon. Okay. Bought bought the can in the Grand Canyon Market. Nice. Enjoyed that. One of my faves. Also, talking about you know these hundred hour weeks as you got the the Belmont facility going, mm-hmm. is, and no offense of course to Commons Brewery, but. I actually never went into that space when it was commons. Sure. And every time I went by it, even though there was people in there, something about this, what I could see from the outside just was not, didn't, wasn't inviting, didn't have a, an a energy that pulled ever, was sufficient enough to pull me in there. And the second I saw the changed space, the re, refabbed, redesigned space, instantly i wanted to pull my car over and go inside so i think that's the the power of of all this artistry and these bright colors i think it's worth mentioning there's this gigantic macho, macho man maybe really yeah. savage piñata figure that is is hung above the the bar space so it's pretty wild and it was just it really blew me away that how powerful it was to just very much magnetize the mm-hmm the surrounding people's...
0: Um, well, I'll say I've always been a huge fan of the commons. Uh, they are the brewery that before uh, we took took over the space, we had collabed with more than any other brewery. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike is a phenomenal, uh, you know, uh, owner of a brewery uh, and like everybody that was involved were just top-notch at what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the, the, the that space uh, was an in in, a, in an unfortunate uh, kind of time uh, it was supposed to have a bunch of apartment buildings and things like that pop up uh, in a certain frame of time mm. they all got delayed and we're like we're getting them now uh, right. and so that facility was kind of built in an idea of that all of a sudden there was gonna be a ton of foot traffic coming around that space. Um, They just
1: missed it by a little bit. Missed
0: it by a little bit. And I like Mike still owns that building. Mm -hmm. Uh you know, so it's not like we kicked them out or anything like that. Um it's, it it's, sounded like it was a, a very... It, what happened and, was, and partner. we're actually, so the right partner. now we're in the middle of our expansion, so we actually have the building that's attached to that building, uh, and so we're doing a bunch of construction right now. Um, the original plan was to essentially be in that building, Commons be next to us, and us be able to share resources and kind of just oh, okay. be neighbors in that. Okay. Um, but when they realized that, you know, they had to kind of shut down, uh, reached out to us, and we were like, absolutely. So, uh, it's the beer that they made was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, if you can find it anywhere still, I would highly recommend it. I just think that it didn't work for the space that it was in. Cool. One thing I want to talk about, um, and we're, we're getting a
1: little bit low on time. There's so much to talk about. So like I've said with, I spent way too much time talking about myself. So <laughs> no, hey, well, that's why you're on here is to talk. So but like many of our guests, we definitely would love to have you back sure. to talk more. But we have we definitely have some more time today, so I wanted to touch on the fact that you guys serve a bunch of amazing food at the brewery, sure, and it's very delicious. Thank I you. I am not a vegetarian or vegan. Neither am I. I try to be thoughtful about what I eat, of course, but uh, and try to be you know be a reductarian, <laughs> but. And so, yeah, being that I'm not vegetarian or vegan, I still love your vegan all-vegan menu. So, Thank you.
0: why sure. do
1: you have an all-vegan menu?
0: Um, so, when it comes to it, uh, you know, veganism. Our, our founder and uh, owner is, is vegan. Okay. Um, and everything that we make is vegan. So, beer, coffee, food. Um, a lot of people are like how is beer not vegan? There's plenty of ways that beer can't be vegan, <laughs> um, from fish bladder to lactose. Uh, but uh, for us, it really comes down to more of like an environmental stance. Uh, we are trying to do our best to make the least amount of impact, and brewing is a fairly impactful uh, industry. There's a lot of water, there's a lot of resources. And so every little step that we can have to try to mitigate that, mm-hmm. uh, we have tried to do. So. With veganism, we knew that going in, starting out in California, the water crisis and the drought was just forefront. We had, you know, our friends up at uh, uh, Bear Republic literally have to shut brewing operations down because they ran out of water. The city wouldn't let them have any more water. Um, And so we were, everyone was getting into dire circumstances when it came to water. And the amount of water that we need, there's no other resource for us we have to use water there's nothing else there's no other option um and so for us what are the water is the root cause of that right like so and in california so much of that water is being used in uh like the dairy farming and then just you know cattle production and that being such a huge impact on what we're doing there and that that Plants aren't growing because the water's going to you know these giant slaughterhouses, uh, and so us taking that stance of being a vegan company uh, through and through is our stance of saying we want to do the best for, uh, for the environment and not pay into those things that we know are the biggest drain on those resources. Uh, and to that point, like we're even uh, in discussions. Like my meeting right after this is I'm actually uh, meeting with. Um, the the power companies to actually convert us over to like 100 renewable resource uh, uh power so our we'll be a like 100 like net zero uh on the power grid wow really um yeah so uh that's fantastic pretty cool stuff and so we're constantly trying to do that stuff just to it's it, like i said it's really hard because we understand that our industry is very impactful on the environment yeah. but as much as we possibly can do to to do better
1: oh well, that's pretty neat um so as I said, we're running a long time, so we are going to circle around to the sort of culminating question that I ask everyone,, sure. which is, because this is a podcast that aims to inspire people and help people find, find their, their paths in life and things that are passionate or excuse me, they are passionate about mm-hmm. and, and excited about to do, and get up, get up every day. What is your advice? You know, obviously, it yeah. took you a little bit to find that you were passionate about beer and community,
0: and and helping yeah. out this awesome brand. So, what I, would you tell someone? I think, and you know, I was I, I was thinking about this the other day because I, you know, a, a coworker of mine was kind of asking me for some advice on stuff, and I think that the most important thing is, no one ever accomplishes anything big or important, no matter how like your scale of that. Uh, without taking risks and without like taking that chance to fail, you know, I went from a job that I knew was very secure and paid a lot of money and did all those things and I just said no, not anymore and I took a leap of faith into something new, and no one ever moves forward in their life truly in an impactful way without just taking those risks and taking that that chance to do something you know bigger or greater or whatever your definition of those things are um and I I know it's like just takes risks but it's it's truly like every so many people in their lives are complacent with the, the place that they're in and it takes the few people or individuals and I'm not saying that I'm that to step up and step out of that place to make an impact on the world and to change the world and uh that would be you know take that leap that would be my uh, ultimate advice because ultimately if you fail it, you'll be fine you, you've got things behind you you know you either if but to take that leap that take that chance on something greater bigger uh something that you like i said outside of your normal agency uh can change the world that's how people change the world and At the very least, change your own world, right? Yeah. yeah, and yeah, that's what I mean. Like, your definition within that, wherever yeah. that scale is that makes you happy, but do, that thing, do the thing that's going to make you happy, right? Like, so many people don't, and I don't understand that. People yeah. are just accepting of where they are, what they're doing, and if they're, when they're not happy with it. Just take that leap, and you ha- have, you know, and then in the end, have people around you that make you happy I mean ultimately when it all shakes out at the end uh, you know it's about the experiences it's about the relationships it's about the people it's about the impact because when you first had you know a craft
1: beer and first started getting interested in this when you were homebrewing your buddy was homebrewing did you ever have any could you ever have foreseen that that you'd be
0: in this place now with all this no all not at responsibilities all responsibilities and all these you know, I uh, I just always assumed that I would be, you know, in the back end, hidden corner somewhere, That's, uh, you know, and uh, again, it's, it's, not, it's not allowing yourself to do that, it's not yeah. allowing yourself to fall behind, it's not allowing, and then you have to take that agency yourself. Yes. Well, words of wisdom from Michael Christie, thank you hopefully, so much. Hopefully, hopefully it's something.
1: Oh, it is something, well... Very thankful to have you on today. As yeah. I said, thank we'll you for having to me back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have a wonderful day. You too. righty. All right.
0: This wraps up another edition of the get after it PDX podcast. For more information about today's guest, including social media links, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks for listening. Now it's your turn to get out there and get after it.